All right, good morning. And uh, that was a great, great conversation with Kelly Joes. And uh, we're going to have another conversation around what we're doing, uh, the topic we're talking about today. And she's, again, just a super, super smart person, um, um, creation scientist, if you will. She teaches chemistry at Lansing Christian and some AP classes in, uh, in the sciences. And so it's just a really, really good conversation. You can go on and check out the rest of that conversation uh, at, your, uh, at your leisure. And uh, so we're gonna have another conversation this week. Um, and I think it was, it's gonna be on Tuesday and you'll be able to catch that. Uh, if you can't catch it live, you can obviously catch the, uh, the archive version or the replay. Uh, what I wanna do before we dive into the message today, uh, in your bulletin, you should have received a, um, a green sheet in your, in your bulletin. And so what are, one of the things that we're doing, and you can do it now or you can do it uh, when you get home, uh, one of the things that we're doing, we're getting ready to plan the summer series. Um, and one of the things we wanted, we kind of wanted to stay in the vein of what we've been doing in Titus. And that is, um, we're going to do a series called You Asked For It. And, um, and we're going to look at two, um, kind of two levels here. The first one is three to five things that you and your family might be dealing with right now. And we'll take a look and what does God have to say about that? So two, three to five things that you might be dealing with, your family might be dealing with, you might be dealing with at your job, and we wanna talk about what does the Bible say about that to be able to encourage you along uh, your journey. The second um, on that sheet is three to five um, biblical teachings that maybe you've never heard and you would like to go a little bit deeper in that on that particular topic. Some people might say, hey, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life and how do I understand what that, I'm thinking about getting married, I'm getting a new job, I'm thinking about change of career, how do I know the, that's the will of God for my life? So if that's something that you're like, man, I want to know what the Bible says about inquiring of God. You can write that. Or again, whatever the biblical teaching, you say, man, I really want to know about that. Please write that down. And if you finish it today, just simply take it out and you can drop it in the, the giving stations that are in the atrium. We want to listen and we want to hear and we want to trust and discern how can, the, how can we teach in such a way, particularly during the summer, that will bless and meet the needs that uh, you have at this point. So if you can do that, that would be super, super uh, helpful for us. As Katie mentioned, we are in a series through the book of Titus, and we've covered subjects like uh, human sexuality, and we covered subjects like food and marriage and humility and money, and we've covered a number of different things in uh, topics in the book of Titus. And yet in the, in the middle of this, we're saying, you know, Titus actually says something in uh, Titus chapter two. You don't have to turn there right now. I just want to read it to kind of set us up um, why we're doing this particular, um, this particular mini-series. This is what it says. Paul says this to Titus. Uh, but as for you, teach what accords 
with sound doctrine or what aligns with sound doctrine. And sound doctrine is simply healthy biblical teaching. That's really what it is. What does the Bible say about this thing and how do we teach it in such a way that it keeps us from being duped by false teaching? So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Marvin, my son, actually did a message on biblical teaching. And then last week, we talked about creation. And what we're doing in this little series, we're talking about um, some of the more important teachings of Scripture. Like, for instance, creation is a very, very important topic for followers of Jesus. How we think about creation really determines how we think about a lot of things. And then today, we're going to actually go a little bit further and look at um, look at God's word uh, uh, in, in one particular topic or a topic that we're going to talk about today. We'll get to that in a few minutes. The reason we're calling this series Exiles is because as followers of Jesus, we should look different. should look different in the way we live our lives. And we live our lives in such a way that um, we are, we are kind of, we're not citizens. We're, we're citizens of two worlds, citizen of heaven, citizens of heaven, and citizens of earth. And how we live on earth um, should be different. So we should think about alcohol different. We should think about human sexuality differently than the world does. We should think about a lot of things differently than the world does. And when people look at the way we live our lives, it's going to look like we are truly exiles and individuals who are out of place. So that's, I want to give, I want to kind of revisit the context of why we're doing what we're doing. So last week, we talked about creation. And we can all agree that creation is, when we look at creation, it is beautiful. And God created his world to be beautiful and good and kind. He created his world to be um, whole. And yet when we look around us, we, we don't see that not everything in the world is beautiful. Not everything in the world is kind. Not everything in the world is good. Not everything in the world is happy. We can, we can agree with that. Some of you are experiencing that right now, that if God made this world so good, why am I experiencing the unkindness, the lack of goodness, and the lack of beauty? So that, that's a fair question. You and I can click on any link on the internet. We can go to any news source on the internet, and we can watch the nightly news, and we are bombarded with, we will find terrorism and war and genocide. We're going to find political payoffs and murder and arson. We're going to find scams and mass shootings. We're going to find uh, bank frauds and bank collapsing, banks collapsing. We're going to find drug use and gambling and adultery. And you'll find Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and Chris Rock retaliating with his verbal slap of Will Smith. Uh, you'll, you'll find that, that we are in this daylight savings time thing. And it's like, whoa. Uh, so, so there are too many scandals and sins to name. But I think what we can agree with is that there's real evil, ugly evil in our world. I think we can admit that much. 
I think we can admit that there are, there are hurtful and painful, and sometimes we say everything happens for a reason. Well, I, I would submit to you that sometimes evil has no reason. Evil is non-reason. So we, we ask the question, what is the problem with our world? And I And and I I think that it's going to sound trite and it's going to sound simplistic, but it's not because we're going to delve deeply into this. The, the, The problem with our world is sin is the reason for the brokenness and evil in our world. Now, now I, I wish I had, we're going to get to the good news near the end, but we have to talk about the bad news first. Sin is the reason for the evil and the brokenness in our world. So we have to ask the question, what is sin? And, you know, we, you know, people, if you ask a number of people, the man on the street, the woman on the street, they'll tell you that they'll, they'll probably have different definitions of what it is. And, but, but how do you even talk about sin to people who don't even believe that sin still exists? How, how do you even talk about sin uh, uh, to people who say, oh, that is not that bad? That, that was just a mistake, and, and yet, we have to ask the question, what is sin? And I'm going to turn the prism a little bit so that we can get a, a full view of what sin is. Because, because we, we have to, if God made the world beautiful and kind and good, man, we see some ugly stuff, but what is it? Well, well. So here's the first turn of the prism. Prism, the sin is any evil for which some person or group of people are to blame. In other words, that person has done something. That group of people, they've done something and they are blameworthy for that thing that they've done. So let's turn the prism a little bit more. Sin is the vandalism of shalom. It's the vandalism of the wholeness of humanity, the wholeness of creation. And so when we talk about vandalism, we're, we're talking about the deliberate destruction and damage of private property. That's the, that's the definition. So when we bring it to the Bible and we bring it to where we are today, it is the deliberate uh, damage and destruction of the wholeness of God, the property of God, the property of God that you and me, his world, and, and it is this sense where you and I, we, we, sometimes we deliberately do it and sometimes we accidentally do it, but we can all agree that it is the vandalism, it is the destruction of the shalom of God, the wholeness of God. Let's turn the prism a little bit more. Sin is the despising and the attempting to dethrone God. God is on the throne. He is king of the universe. He is, this is his world. And sin is when you and I tell God, I don't like your agenda for my life. I don't like your agenda for my world. And I'm going to kick you off your throne, if there's such a thing, and I am going to sit on the throne of my life, my family's life, my job life, my neighborhood, and I am, the world revolves around me, not you, God. That's another definition of sin. 
Let's turn the prism a little bit more. The worship, sin is the worship of self in the place of the worship of God. It is self-deification. It is, I am now God. It is self-made men and women who worship their creator, not God, but themselves. It truly is this this idea of an attitude and an action that breaks the heart of God. But it goes a little bit further. It's not just actions and attitudes. What we believe the Bible to say is that sin is a nature. It's, it's in us. It is, it, it, it's a part of who we are. We were born to sin. We were born this way. We were born to walk away from God, not toward God. Have you ever noticed you never have to tell a child how to do bad? You never have to tell a child, you never have to teach a child how to say no. A child comes into this world, you and just like you and I saying no, and I don't want, I don't want you to have control over me. And so there's this sense, it's not just action. It is a nature that goes the other way when God says, come this way. It truly is when we when God says tell the truth, our sin nature says I'm gonna lie. When when God says don't cheat, our sinful nature says I'm gonna cheat anyway. When 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 God says, hey, I don't want you to murder with your words or with a gun or a knife, our sinful nature says I am going to take the life of another. When God says don't commit adultery and don't cheat on your wife, don't cheat on your husband, there's this sense where our sinful nature says, I'm going to do it anyway. That's how, that's how ugly sin is. So sin is, 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 is deadly. Sin makes us not only, it not only makes us the victim, but it also makes us the perpetrator makes us the victim as well as the perpetrator. See, what makes sin so bad and so insidious is that it is pleasurable. It promises us fulfillment and it leaves us empty. It promises us a desert, it promises us water in the desert, but it leaves us with nothing but a mirage. So we have this, this, this definition, this turning of the prism of what it is. So we have to ask the question, how, how did our world get this way? How did it happen? How did, it, uh, how did we end up where we are? And again, we have, to, we have to actually go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, and it is starting at looking at verses 16 and 17. So we have to go back to the beginning, and God gives Adam and Eve a command. And He gives them the command in chapter two, and it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then we see in chapter three, we see the acting acting out of humanity, Adam and Eve, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God made. He said to the man, God, 
Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat uh, you, say, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now she's changing the words of God. He never said that. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So where did this come from? Where did sin come from? It originated, we see here in the text, that came through Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve's disobedience. Adam and Eve knew the command of God, and they chose not to obey God's command. And they vandalized the shalom, the wholeness of God, of God's creation. It's Adam's fault. It's Adam and Eve's fault that sin was unleashed the moment they took that fruit. We don't know if it was an apple, so uh, it was a piece of fruit. The moment they took that piece of fruit and the moment they, they broke the command of God and the moment they disobeyed, they literally unleashed sin into the world. They, they introduced brokenness into our world. They introduce natural disasters into our world. They introduce deformities of children into our world. They introduce deformities in other ways into our world. They unleash a, a we, we don't even, be, we can't even begin to understand the pervasiveness, the depth of sin that that one act released into the world. You say, wait a minute, Marvin, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's fair. That, that I have to suffer, we have to suffer for something that Adam and Eve did. Well, we, we truly do understand the depth of this. We understand it might not be fair, but it's true, but we understand this. Take a woman who is pregnant, and she decides to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, maybe sometimes three. The habits of that mother will actually impact that child. Let's, let's say that mother decides that she is going to drink every day of the nine months of her pregnancy. That, that drinking, the habit of the mother is going to impact that child. Whatever the habits of the mother are is going to impact the baby who's growing inside of her. So we can understand that, that, that Adam's sin now literally was passed down to every single person in this room. Nobody escaped that, that, that this was the beginning of the brokenness, the fallenness, the, 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 the insidious nature of sin. We all have sinned. Yes, Adam sinned, but we also cooperate when we choose to sin as well. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. 
I don't live up to my standards, more or less trying to live up to the standards of God. We all break the standards of God. Sin is a universal problem. The Bible says that all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. All, there is no one that is righteous. So, so when we look at this, we see that Adam and Eve unleash sin in our world. The brokenness, the fallenness. You say, well, Marvin, that's, that's just the Christian thought. Of course you should believe it. Well, listen to, listen to Alain de Botan. He's a British atheist and a philosopher. Listen to what he says. I love the concept of original sin. This is what we're talking about. The idea that we're all fundamentally broken and fundamentally incomplete. When asked why he explained this, he explained, because original sin seems to be such a useful starting point. Like he agrees with us. Imagine a relationship in which two people think that they're great. You know, perfect. And that's going to lead to intolerance and terrible disappointment when they realize that they're not perfect. Whereas imagine a relationship that begins under the idea that two people are quite broken and therefore they need forgiveness. This is from an atheist. And when asked to define broken, this is what he says, by broken I mean not quite right. So that's why the concept of original sin seems so plausible and applicable and kind because it basically says, look, when you meet someone new, just assume that something major has gone wrong here. Like, wow. And this is exactly what the, what the fall of humanity actually says. Something in our world is not quite right. Something in our relationships is, is not quite right. Every time a deformed baby is born or a baby is stillborn, something is not quite right. Every time abuse happens in a home or on a job, something is not quite right. Uh, when, every time we hear of an earthquake or a tidal wave and we see hundreds and thousands of people dying, something is not quite right. How is it that some people can eat and some people can't? Something in our world is not quite right. Why is there the rich of the rich and the poor of the poor? Something in our world is not quite right. How is it that black people and white people and Asians and Latinos can't get along? Something is not quite right. Why do men abuse women verbally and physically? Something in our world is not quite right, and we can trace it back to one act of disobedience where God says, please, I love you too much. I've given you all of this real estate. Please do not eat from this tree. And they disobeyed. And in that moment, in that moment, there, there was this brokenness that was unleashed into all of the world. So, so, so we see the world, we see it, and it's broken. And we see that it's broken because of one act of disobedience. But I think we have to talk about the effects of sin, the consequences, and the depth of it. And really, I, I know that this, this, it, this feels so heavy 
But, but what, the, the reason why this is so important, and the list that I'm about to give, that, that one act of disobedience from Adam and Eve, it unleashed, literally it unleashed the pain of our world in so many different ways. And the reason why this list is so important for us to grasp, the reason why it's so important for us to understand the sin of sin, when we understand the sin of sin and how bad it is, it helps us to appreciate why Jesus died on the cross. It helps us to understand why he shed his blood. It helps us to understand why he stayed on the cross. It helps us to understand why we do communion every first Sunday and sometimes even more often because sin was just that bad. If, if we just say that, oh, it's not that bad and, you know, you do you and I do me, we miss the gospel. We miss the good news. The good news only comes and can only be appreciated after we understand how bad the bad news really is. And so the Adam, Adam and Eve, when they sin, this is what they unleashed. First, they unleashed death and decay. That every time a mother or a father or a child or a cousin or an uncle dies and you sit in a funeral, we can trace it all the way back to that one act of disobedience. Every time we stand over a grave at the, at the cemetery and we say, the preacher says words over and dirt is uh, tossed on the casket and flowers, we can trace it back to Adam's sin. Every time you and I cry, over someone, a loved one dying, we can trace it back to that one act of disobedience. Every time you wake up and you wash your, or you wash your face or you wash your face before you go to bed or you wake up and you wash your face, every time you see dirt on the towel, I mean, you shouldn't feel embarrassed. I mean, I thought I washed my face really good. We can actually trace it back to Adam. You see, we were to live forever. We were designed to live forever. But because of Adam's sin, we now experience the pain and the grief of separation from people that we love. So physical death. We talk about, we talk about the death of, we talk about, the, uh, we talk about death entering into the world. There are three types of death that entered the world the moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Number one, the physical death. That's what we, when people die physical death. The second type of death that, that we experience is spiritual death. Spiritual death is literally, I am separated from God. And unless Jesus intervenes, unless I trust Jesus, unless I surrender my life to Jesus, we will experience the third death, and that's eternal death. Eternal death is, I am perpetually now removed from the presence of God. So, so you wonder why, you wonder why we stand up here. You wonder why we preach this message. You wonder why we make a big deal of Easter. You wonder why we make a big deal of Christmas. You wonder why we make a big deal of, of the stuff that we do. You wonder why the team sings these songs and you wonder why the student ministry do what they do. Here it is. We don't want people to die and be eternally separated from God. 
So this building is about helping people to see a relationship with God. This, this, this passion that whether it's Emmanuel or others have talking about the gospel is because we do not want to see people leave this earth and not know Jesus. So there's this physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. And then there's the result of Adam's sin is guilt. Is guilt is I is is the phrase I did it. It's an attitude and confession. I'm the culprit. I did it. I'm guilty. I'm to blame for the theft. I'm the blame for the broken marriage. If you were the perpetrator, I'm the, uh, the disappointment of my children, the pride that leads to belittling of others. I am guilty. But we don't like using this language because we rationalize. We actually blame others. We don't actually receive it. And we don't say, I'm the one. I'm the one that hurt the person. I'm the one that broke the relationship. I'm the one. I'm the blame. But we pass it off. But here's a third, not only death and guilt, here's a third. Here's a third consequence, and that third consequence is estrangement, alienation, or distance. You can choose either one, either one of those words. And Colossians 121 says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And so Paul says to the Colossians, one of the consequences is alienation. So let's, let's say that, that I am here. Actually, let's, let's say that both, both God and I are arm in arm in this space. And this is exactly what was happening with Adam and Eve. They were connected. They were intimate with God. But that one act of disobedience created distance. They began walking away from God, walking away from God, walking away from just want to make sure I'm not going to fall. Walking away from God, walking away from God. Now God is over there, and my sin has actually separated me from God. That's alienation. That's the distance that our sin creates. No one in this world, no one in this world is born going after God. We are born walking away from God, backing up from God, saying, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And this is exactly what... Adam and Eve's sin did. It created distance and alienation and hostility toward God. Creation or corruption is another consequence. Genesis 6, 11 through 12, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Sin ruins everything it touches. It is toxic. It turns a good thing rotten. The world right now is groaning. Every tidal wave, every earthquake, every tornado is the groaning of the world. Every cyclone is the groaning of the world. Romans chapter 8 verse 20 says the world creation groans and waiting for Jesus to return. 
So we're not the only ones waiting for Jesus to return. The, the actual creation is waiting for Jesus to return because of the, just the pain of sin. Another one is enslavement. Enslavement and, and um, John 8, 34, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Sin leads to bondage and makes us slaves to all kinds of addictions, all kinds of evil actions. The slavery to sin kind of goes something like this. My thoughts, sinful thoughts, become sinful words. Sinful words become sinful actions. Sinful actions become evil habits or sinful habits. And evil and sinful habits actually become evil and sinful character. Creates a slave to sin. Shame is another consequence. I'm just, I, I hope you can understand, I'm trying to just show all of us the depth, the pervasiveness, the... Um, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is desperately wicked, nobody can understand it. Shame is another. And shame is simply the, the psychological and emotional response to guilt. Listen to what Genesis 3, 7, and 8 says, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they felt vulnerable, and in their vulnerability, they felt shame. They felt shame. And so to deal with their shame, Instead of confessing it to God, instead of repenting of it, they tried to hide it. And I think we're still hiding among the trees today. And so, shame. I think uh, another consequence was self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Sin denies God and deifies self in the place. Another was relational discord. Adam and Eve, they were actually intimate. They were, they were not only physically, but emotionally intimate. The moment they sinned, that point, there was a barrier between them. Now a barrier existed and they were not emotionally vulnerable. They were not physically vulnerable. There was relational Discord, and not just with them, but we can look at relational discord in our world today and we can trace it back to this one act of disobedience, Adam and Eve. And then finally, there's this spiritual discontentment and darkness that shows up as a result. Sin leaves a hole in our heart that only God can fill. Pascal calls it uh, a God-shaped hole. Augustine says, the Lord, Lord, thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So there's this separation, this darkness, that, this disconnection. So when I talk about, when I talk about that one act of disobedience, 
truly is not just, oh, I made a mistake. It's more than, oops. It's more than, yeah, let's, let's just, yeah, I, it's not a big deal. It's, it's more than, it's, it's more than it's my environment that caused me to do this. It's more than it's because of her, because of him, that I did what I did. It is, a, it is a heart that's turned away from God. It's a heart that says, I want to actually do my own thing. So the question that I'm asking, and I can look at you now, it's like, wow, what an encouraging message. So let me give you the way, let me give you the, 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 the formula, the way this works, and then we'll get to the solution. Sin entered the world through Adam. Adam and Eve's disobedience. So Adam represents Adam and Eve. Death and all other effects are the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. Death and all other effects have spread to the whole human race. Not one person is excluded. And then because human beings entered the world, alienated, separated, distanced from God, we sin and do evil. That's really the formula. That's what messed our world up. What's the solution? I want you to look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. Now, this is after Adam and Eve have sinned. After all of the consequences that God brings to them. And yet, we see the love and grace of God. Verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed. So Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves, and it was inadequate. And we try to cover ourselves with blaming others. We try to cover ourselves with uh, reading the Bible. We try to cover ourselves with going to church. We try to cover ourselves with doing good deeds. We try to cover ourselves with giving money. We try to cover ourselves and hoping, just hoping that God doesn't see our nakedness. We cover ourselves with so many other things that, and we're just hoping, we're hoping we put on a mask and we, we, we put on a mask like we're at Mardi Gras. And, and if I can just cover myself, God, God will not be able to see what my real motives are. He will not be able to see beyond this what I'm presenting. And I want you to know that God sees through the masks. He sees through the mask and he says, listen, I, I, don't, I don't want you to try to cover yourself. I, I want to be the one to cover you because my covering will be adequate for your sin. Your, your covering, the fig leaves, that, listen, make them Louis Vuitton, make them Tom Ford, make them whatever you want to make them. It is not enough to cover our sin before a holy and righteous God. 
So God says, what I'm going to do, I am going to foreshadow what's to come. I'm going to foreshadow the sacrificial system. So when an animal is killed, you put your hand, you, you confess your sins to the priest, and he will put his hand on a goat and put his hand on a goat. Send that goat away, and it will be a sign that your sins are forgiven. But that sacrificial system actually foreshadowed another, and it would only be one sacrifice, never to be sacrificed anymore, and that is the sacrifice of Jesus. What we're about to celebrate on Good Friday, Jesus was sacrificed, was crucified, so that our sins could be covered. It is only... It is only by his grace, it is only by his sacrifice that our sins are covered, friends. So, so, so this is what God does. God says, you got shame, I'll cover it. Oh, you, you've, you've killed somebody? I'll cover it. You've lied to somebody? I'll cover it. You've abused somebody? I'll cover it. You've been abused by someone, I'll cover it. I'll cover it. David, when he committed adultery, he kept quiet for an entire year. And God says the person who confesses and repents their sins are covered and forgiven. And David said to God, against you and you only have I sinned and done this thing. Now, I know people say, well, man, this is like, man, this feels so much like my grandmother's church and it's talking about sin. And I think it's important. Why? I think and I believe we have a lack of passion around the death of Jesus because we don't know how bad sin is. I think we go through the motions and Good Friday is coming and we, we go through all of these motions and, and we'll sing the songs and we'll say, yeah, that's, that's really good. But, but I think when we sit with what, what breaks the heart of God, my sin, your sin, when I treat my wife in, the, in, the, in, a, wrong, uh, in a wrong way or when I say something to my kids and it's not right or when I, when I, I don't share my, my, um, my, my, my heart with people around me. And when I lie and say I'm okay when I'm not, when lust grips our hearts, it breaks the heart of God. But God is not mad. He's not looking to condemn. He's actually looking to forgive. He's actually looking to woo us back to say, do you see how deadly and dastardly sin is? And I think when the moment we recognize how sin, how bad and sinful sin is, we'll look at Jesus on the cross and we will weep. And we will cry out to say, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I need your mercy. Do I have anybody in the house that just needs the mercy of God? And that, that comes from God, I did it. 
So Jesus, on his cross, on the cross, person who says, I'm a sinner, I repent of my sins, he covers. He covers. And you start a new relationship with him. That's if you've never, ever, if you've never, ever in your life trusted Jesus as Savior. I, I, I invite you because we do not want you to experience eternal death. Where you're totally separated from God perpetually forever. It's the reason we do what we do. If you bring, you say, well, Marvin, I, I like all this stuff. He'll cover it. Like, you don't know what I've done. No, he'll cover it. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. No, you don't know what I did last night. No, he'll cover it. Like, like oh, no, no, you don't. Like, like, the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I'm a part of, the pro- no, he said he'll cover it, and he's faithful to do it. He's faithful to cover our sin. And then if you are here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you have walked away from God, you have created distance between you and God. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9 that the person who confesses their sin, God is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Again, he'll cover it. But it begins with an honest assessment of where you are, where I am. Now, we didn't do this the first service, but I feel, I, I think I feel led to do it in this service. Is if, if that's you, if, if that's you, and you feel the weight of the sin that, 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 that distance you from God. I'm going to just simply say the altar is open. I'm going to dismiss the service, but the altar is open. We don't, we don't do this often, but I just sense the spirit of God breaking someone's heart to say, I, number one, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Or I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today because I have sinned and sinned and sinned and broken the heart of God. All of this, Marvin, that list you just gave, listen, I was, I'm on that list. And so, and I'd be the first one. I'd be the first one to say this altar is open. And it's open because we have a loving God who says... I will cover it. I will cover you. I will cover what you've done. I will cover it. And so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna simply, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask God's blessing and God's spirit to be active. And um, I'm gonna ask the, the elders and the prayer team members and others, uh, the deacons to come forward. And if you have, if, if, if that's you, today is a good day to confess to God, I did it, no more rationalization, no more justification. I broke your heart. 
I'm repenting, I'm turning, and I'm moving in another direction. And I'm asking you to cleanse me, to forgive me, to restore me. Help me to feel your love again. Help me to feel your presence again. And so, prayer team members, elders, if you can just come forward for people who do uh, decide to come forward and they need someone to pray with them, to bless them, to ask God's blessing over them, you'll be, av- you'll be available. So I'm going to simply ask, um, is that you? And again, I know he's like, man, this is so weird. But I, 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 am, I am like, no, this is a matter of life and death. Anybody else just like, man, I'm, no, nobody has to know what you're going through. You're doing business with God. So let me pray. So Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your spirit at work in this place. You're you're at work. I believe that. I sense that. I sense that in this place right now. And I ask that you would break up stony hearts and make them pliable again, make them soft again. And I pray for God, those individuals who may have never, ever trusted Jesus, pray that they would respond to you even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is open. The altar is open. If, if that's you, if that's you, the altar is open.